So I just want to say first and foremost uh, that there's a lot of pressure on me when he says I trust you because I'm about to speak to you for 35 minutes or so and what I say might offend you and then he won't trust me anymore but we'll give it a shot one more time here. Uh, For those of you that are new, uh, I do lead worship here and I want to introduce my wife. She's on the third row here. Would you stand, babe? I won't try to one-up Pastor Ross on how he feels about his wife, but if I could for a moment. (laughs) I want to make you smile whenever you are sad. You guys know that song? Carry you around, your arthritis is bad. (laughs) All I want to do is grow old with you. I'll cry if I keep singing it. But in reality, we have this new little family. Not just the family that we have with our two little girls, but we have this family, one chapel. And one of these days, I'll tell you the whole journey of how we got here. And I just want you to know that I love you, that this is our family. This is where we are making our home. And so, you know, in a couple of weeks, we go to two services, which is going to be kind of sad. It's going to be great in so many ways because we'll be able to connect deeper. Um, But uh, the the pressure's on this morning because I only have one chance at saying what I really want to say, letting the Lord speak. Uh, So why don't we pray, and then we'll dive into the Scriptures. Father, we just ask that you would speak clearly, intimately, deeply to every heart this morning. Father, that we would open ourselves up, that we would realize that we are on a journey all the time. We've never arrived, but we'd also realize that you've never left us, that you're always with us, that you want us to be disciples and to make disciples. And so as we study the scriptures, illuminate the things in our lives that we need to let go of, the things in our lives that we need to to add life to, that we need to grow up in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody sit. Amen. So why don't you turn to Luke 12, Luke chapter 12. I want you to take notes this morning too. I always encourage everybody to do that so you can look at them through the week. It's always fun to open my Bible and find old notes and be able to peruse the thoughts that I had while that was going on. We're in this series called Luke, The Life of Jesus, and we're studying every single chapter one week at a time. So after today, I want you to see this. We'll be 12 chapters in, and we'll have 12 chapters to go. And can I point something out? That should communicate to us something unique that... Our pastor, I want you to know this, he'd never say this himself, but he is committed to you and I knowing the Bible. This type of inductive and, and selective um, study is, is so much more than skipping around verse to verse throughout the Bible to find the fluffiness. Does that make sense? Most pastors don't commit to 24 weeks of going through a book of the Bible. And so I, I think it's good for us to, to understand that Studying scriptures is important, that the Bible is important, and not just when we're reviewing it on the History Channel at night with our families, right? How many of you have been watching that? It's good stuff, but read your Bible. Luke 12, verses 1 through 3. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another... Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. Everyone say first to his disciples. And he said this, 
Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the rooftops. I want you to go with me for a moment here, okay? A crowd of many thousands had gathered. Think of it maybe like Good Friday at Walmart, you know, the people standing there at the door. Or maybe like um, really recent, the last couple of nights at Auditorium Shores for South by Southwest, right? It smells the reek of B.O. And people are trampling on one another. And here's the picture I want you to see because in that moment, I can almost see Jesus looking out at the thousands and then looking back at his disciples and then out again at the crowd and then back to the twelve. And it was right there in that moment that he made a decision. As it seems, it would be most necessary for Jesus to minister to the crowd, right? To maximize his allotted 35 minutes that he would have with them before they donkey on down the road to go eat lunch. But he chooses differently here. He decides to speak what? First, to his disciples. Now, I want you to go to Luke 12 this week, and I want you to study the rest of the things that it says. But we are going to spend our time on these three verses today because I felt like the Lord gave me a word for us. And he says first to his disciples, it's almost like he said, look, forget the crowd. At least for a moment here, first to you, the ones who are going to carry on the faith, the ones who will continue to share the good news long after everyone out there is gone. Please know the importance of these things, to live with pure motives and a clean heart. Because out beyond the crowd, when nobody else is watching, your choices, they matter. And when you mess up, and you will, don't waste your time trying to hide stuff. It's all going to come out at some point anyway. See all those people? I can see him saying it. See all of those people? He's pointing to the 12. Do you see that crowd? Guard your hearts or you'll lose your witness with them. In the end, our private lives have a great effect on our public influence. Right? Our private lives have a great effect on our public influence. If I titled the message today, it would be this, The Simple Truth About Secrets. And the first one's really simple. That's why they're called simple truths, and it's secrets come in all shapes and sizes. Do you agree with that? Some are big, some are small. Some are our past, some are our present. Some of them are sinful secrets, and some of them are seemingly harmless ones that we carry around. Things about ourselves that nobody else knows. Things that your mom doesn't even know. At least, come on, let's be honest. You think she doesn't know, but she knows. Moms have this little, like, secret knowing meter that goes off every time we do something dumb. What'd you do? Nothing. Moms already know. We all have them, moms and secrets. Come on, look to the person next to you. Say, we all have them, moms and secrets. Simple truth. Now, listen, I hope I don't offend you today. If you don't know me, then this probably will. But I'm going to let you in on one of my secrets. Uh, Ross says, uh-oh. It's, 
a little bit serious because otherwise it wouldn't be a secret. But does anybody here know what, uh, know what manscaping is? <laughs> See, he trusts me, but not anymore. Listen, if you don't know what manscaping is, then you should plug your ears. But I have a hairy body in general. Listen, I even shave the hair on my feet, people. If I don't shave the hair on my feet, it grows so long I have to braid it and tuck it into my socks. It's one of my secrets, and I'm letting you in on it. So that every time you see my beard grow out in one week, you won't be like, ooh, I wonder if he has hair on his back. Yep, got it. Here's one, not of mine. But listen, big and little secrets. Okay, ready, men? All the men in the room, I want your attention. And this might sting a little, but it's because it's a secret. Some of you are going bald and you're trying to hide it. You're like, no, not me. I've always had five hairs on this side of my head that I comb over to this side. Ever since I was a baby. That's not true, Donald Trump. Come on. We all have secrets. We can see right through yours. Literally. Come on, shave it off. Bald is beautiful. Get a razor out and just think Bruce Willis die hard as you just bick the top of your head. So come on, look to your neighbor. Say, we all have them. Say, we all have them. Issues with hair and secrets. You know you do. I'm going gray, trying to hide it. We all have secrets. Big and little ones. How about much more serious secrets that some people are carrying around every day? Stuff like, I smile, but I'm not happy. Or when I look in the mirror, I hate what I see. So many people carrying that stuff around. Then those secret thoughts, they morph into actions. Like, I tried to kill myself the other day. It didn't work, but I think I'd try again if I wasn't so scared. Or maybe I still make myself throw up, even though I told everyone I'd stop. How about relational secrets? People say, I'm afraid that I'll never find someone to marry. Or I know I am married, but I wish I wasn't. Someone might say, I I want to tell her the truth, but I can't. She doesn't know that I'm addicted to drugs, to alcoholism, to habitual lying to pornography, and the list could go on and on and on and on. Things that you've done, mistakes and addictions and habits, that things that were done to you, serious abuses that have now morphed into lasting insecurity. The simple truth is that life is full of secrets, big and little. Obviously now, we all know that the sinful ones are the ones that have the most damage on our life. You wrestling with whether or not to shave those five hairs off on your head isn't going to make or break your eternal salvation. I've got another really good one that I want to share with you. Is that okay? It's not even mine. It's my wife's. Listen, I got permission. It might not have been legitimate permission, but I'm not going to look that way. So back in 2002, my wife was Miss Oklahoma. I know, she's hot. 
But back then, and I think they still do it now, there was a car dealer that would loan a car to the winner of the pageant. And so they would drive it for an entire year, and Miss Oklahoma was on the side of it. Well, when Casey finished her years, Miss Oklahoma, they didn't come ask for it back, so she drove it another year. And then we got married, and she drove it another year. So that's not the secret, because they knew it. But listen, three years into this thing, they come and ask for it back. We'd been married for a few months. (laughs) This is awesome. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm sorry, babe. I'm going to say it. You have to know, because she's so prissy and so proper, but really not. Because three years after she had this car, they came and asked for it back, and we went to detail it to clean it, okay? And I'm in the driver's seat. She's in the passenger seat. I remember it like it was yesterday. We're wiping down the dash, and she says, oh, hey, uh, babe, do you want to know a secret? I was like, yeah. I'm like, duh. Of course I do. And she says, hey, uh, why don't you look under the driver's seat? And so I got out of the car. I got down on my hands and knees, and, and I looked under here like this with my face right there. And there was a huge stash of boogers. Did you hear me? A huge stash of boogers. She's so proper, so perfect. And then I put my face right in them. It was like a, like a child's school desk. The belly just covered in not gum, but snot. And she told me, look, it's not that bad, really. I was like, no, it is. She's like, we got to clean that up, right? Turn it in. They're going to know. You know what's the best part of the story is that she let me into the secret. And we got to laugh about that for years and years and years. We're still laughing about it. Every time we get a new car, which has only been a couple times, I'm like, is there a good material under there, you know, that you can stick your boogers to? I just wanted to know that. Because the simple truth is that Secrets come in all shapes and sizes, just like boogers. (laughs) Okay, listen, I know that I'm making light of a subject here that's really deep and dark. We just read through some secrets that so many people carry around, right? But I'm doing this on purpose because more important to me than anything is that I want us to orient first around the fact that we all have them and that it's okay. Nobody is exempt, but here's another simple truth. The big secrets, they contaminate our hearts. Those things you're carrying around that are sinful, you've got to confess them and let go. It's kind of like my garage on Wednesday mornings. If I forget to take the trash to the road, then for another week, the sweating, poopy diapers of my seven-month-old daughter make my entire garage smell for seven more days. If we don't deal with the poo, it starts to stink. The ones that are laughing know that I have this thing about poop in general. I have books about it, the history of farting giving to me by Julio. What's your poo telling you? You, if you walk out of here today early, it's fine. I know you don't like me and you think I'm weird. 
manscaper and loves poop. Our big secrets, or maybe our best described as our sinful ones, what happens to them is they grow like weeds and come after everything honest, admirable, and pure within us. Yet somehow, rather than actually tending to the, to the condition of our hearts, we tend to separate what people see from what is actually going on, don't we? It's what we do. Secrets paralyze our thinking. Did you know that there's not too many steps from, I don't really like myself, and suicidal thoughts? Sin keeps us from being able to give honest answers about how we're doing every day. We can't look people in the eyes. They say, how are you doing? Fine. You can't sleep at night because your conscience is poisoned by anxiety. Come on, who's been there? Anybody been there? Raise your hand high. So I'm not the only one. You're not the only one. Keeping our biggest secrets hidden stunts the growth of every relationship we've got with God and with people. We try to isolate them, but what happens? They isolate us. We try to control them, and what happens? They control us. Another simple truth about secrets that I hope takes the pressure off a little bit is this. Hiding secrets is human nature. It's what we do. Go back to Adam and Eve. What happened? They ate of the wrong tree, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? They hid. They tried to hide from God. That he wouldn't see their wrongdoings. They were ashamed. You know, this is not something that God taught them to do. He didn't teach them to go try to hide. It was human nature for them. So let me take the pressure off you. Do not carry around the burden of your sins, of your secrets, and also the burden of thinking you're the only one that's got stuff going on because you're not. I hope it helps us learn to confess because we see that someone's actually going to accept us even in our weakness and our failure. Now, we've got to learn how to do that, right? Not to hold people to this standard that says you've got to be perfect. I get this word picture, so go with me. Parents, every single time your kids want to play hide-and-go-seek, what do you do? Ten, nine, eight. You can see, hear them kind of scurrying to find a place. Seven, six. And then you open your eyes and you know, sure enough, they went into the laundry room and hid behind the door. They do it every time. But still, you walk around in circles. You walk around in circles, acting like you don't see them. And this goes on as long as we allow them to play the game until one day they finally give up. The same is true with God. We hide sin in our hearts, pushing it away to what seems like the best place, the darkest corner where nobody can find it. And then I think he counts like this, 10, 9, 8, 7, 7, 7, you, never mind. He walks around in circles waiting for us to repent, right? He walks around in circles waiting for us to repent from our sin. And this goes on for as long as we want to play the game until one day we finally give up. The simple truth, your secret's already out. You cannot hide it. It's not supposed to be hidden. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 12. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. 
You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is light to you. Think about that. Go into the darkest room that you can think of in your mind. And even there, God can see everything. He knows where your keys are. When it comes to heaven, all of our secrets are already out. And you say, well, duh, I already knew that. He sees everything, but I can deal with that fact. But maybe we feel conviction, but sin still finds a sense of closure as we measure it against his grace. We still hide. It's human nature, right? You're not alone. We honestly believe that here on earth, nobody will ever find out. Don't we? Lance Armstrong? Wrong. Bill Clinton? Wrong. Your secret's already out. How about the story of Potiphar's wife? Go to Genesis 39. We're going to spend just a second here. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit of it, and then we're going to pick it up in, I believe, verse 11. As this story goes, Potiphar, one of the leading officials in Egypt, had placed Joseph, the son of Jacob, as head over his entire household. The Bible tells us that Joseph was strikingly handsome and also brought much favor into Potiphar's life. In fact, it's a really great line in the Bible. It says, we, we read that while Joseph was in charge, all that Potiphar ever had to concern himself with was eating three meals a day. Can you imagine that life? That's all you got to concern yourself with. What am I going to eat for breakfast and lunch and dinner? Joseph was in charge, and favor came on Potiphar. Meanwhile, Potiphar's wife, her name is unspecified in Scripture, had become lustfully infatuated with this young man. She desperately wanted to sleep with him. The Bible says that she would try to entice him day after day after day. So here we are, verse 11. says, one day he, Joseph, went into Potiphar's house to attend to his duties. I, I said duty. And none of the household servants were inside. She, Potiphar's wife, caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw this, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them. This Hebrew has been brought here to make sport of us. He came in to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard my scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out. Then it goes on to say that she kept his cloak beside her until Potiphar came home. Then she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you brought us tried to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran away. Liar, liar, pants on fire. She better be glad we don't know her name. Because you know what's true about this story? Potiphar's wife thought she got away with it. But here we are, thousands of years later, talking about the dirty old woman that tried to sleep with Joseph. She went to her grave thinking, I got away with it. You want to know the moral of the story? Confess sin. 
because the consequences of confession are always more favorable than the humiliation that comes from people talking about you thousands of years after you're dead. She could have told somebody, right? She could have told Potiphar, and we wouldn't be reading this. But instead, all through the years, churches everywhere, people everywhere, in every Bible, in every hotel, people are reading the story of Potiphar's wife. Here's another simple truth that builds on this. Confession breaks the power of a secret. Confession breaks the power of a secret. I know it's not rocket science. These are just simple truths. But obviously, it's repeated over and over in Scripture to us. It's something the Lord wanted us to know. He wanted to remind us. I'll just put the references on the screen for time's sake. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Acts 17, verse 30, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. James 5, 16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Say, one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Great scriptures, right? For us to stand on, for us to believe in confession more than the consequences that are coming our way if we let somebody know. The truth is we must confess to God. Even if I know that you know that he already knows, I want you to see that it's not about information to him. It never has been. It's about relationship. He wants us to choose him, to step out of darkness and live in the light, to repent and believe. It's a cycle. Pastor Ross is going to speak on this in the future. He's been communicating it to us. It's a cycle, repentance and belief. We have to embrace that cycle over and over and over again. Be reminded today that even when you've fallen into that same sin, maybe for the 239th time, repent and believe. Go through this cycle for the 239th time. Because the truth is we have to confess to God, and the next truth is that we have to confess to one another. Scripture tells us, James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray. First, can I say this? And I'm probably speaking to mostly young people here, but posting your sins on Facebook is not confession, okay? It actually is super immature. It, commun- it communicates something different. There's a, there's a big difference between seeking help and seeking attention. I'll say it like this. There's a big difference between transparency, openly sharing information, and vulnerably, or sorry, vulnerability, inviting someone into your process. Vulnerability is what God is after. Inviting someone in, confessing hidden sin. This goes against logic. Many of you have already checked out. You've said there's no way I can do that with some of the things that are going on inside of me. It's okay. It's human nature, right? Just the thought of telling someone is overwhelming. There's just too many unanswered questions out there. Questions like, what about the consequences? 
What am I supposed to do with those? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose my marriage? What about my kids? This is where it becomes real to us. You say, I have so much invested in my work, in my job place. I have so much invested there. There's no way that I can let go of this. I've lived a lie this long, and I've just got to keep going. In the end, those sins are going to come out. Reality. Number two, how do I start the conversation? Sometimes we don't know that. Again, to the young people, it's a bad idea for you to have lustful thoughts about a girl at school and go to that girl to tell her about it. That's not confession. That's stupidity. It's so awkward. What's she supposed to say? Well, big gulps. See you later. Who can I trust? This is the biggest question, right? Who can I trust? Who's worthy of me saying this? For honest, many of us don't have friendships, relationships close enough that we don't believe that there's people out there that would understand how to help us. Can I say something to the church as a whole? Part of that is our fault because of the way we've dealt with secrets. We've not protected people. We've not been trustworthy. In order for change to happen in another's life, you have to grow up in the faith. You've got to read the scripture. You've got to be full of the knowledge of the Holy Spirit that he would guide you in how to deal with that information. So let's outline it. Who can you trust? We're going to move forward. We have to answer this. This is our pastor's information. I stole it from him. Number one, someone more mature than you. That doesn't mean age specifically. It's spiritual maturity. They can be bald, but they don't have to be. We know why that one's so important, right? Because sometimes when we say something to, to somebody that is maybe less mature than us, we're, we're really just only filling their mind with this knowledge of who we are and darkness, and they can't say anything back. You might even be feeding something in them that allows them to continue on in their own sin. More mature than you. Number two, someone that is the same gender as you. You can confide in your husband, you can confide in your wife, that's true. But even then, there's a limit to some things that you can talk about. It's the same reason I don't want the young guys going to the girls in their school and saying, I'm sorry, I've had lustful thoughts after you. Bad idea. And here's a big one. Number three, someone that is not too interested in the details. If someone is too interested in the intricate parts of your sin... It's a telltale sign of codependence that that confidant, the person that you are trusting in, is somehow finding a, like an ill reason to deal with their own sin. It's like they're validating their issues by you telling them yours. Steer clear of these kind of relationships. Run for the hills if somebody wants to know all the details Breaking the power of sin doesn't mean that you've got to go through a day-by-day process of explaining your sin. It's that you're getting the secret out there. The fourth one, someone that has a track record of trustworthiness. This one's tough, too. 
doesn't mean that you have to have great relationship with them. It just means that you've got to measure the fruit in their lives. And you've got to measure, this is a big one, you've got to measure the relationships that you see they have. Do they protect them? Do they protect people? When you talk to somebody, they might be more mature than you, but you always kind of hear them talking about other people behind their back. I'll be honest. Sometimes I find myself doing that. I'm like, oh, man, I need to be quiet about this and go to that person. You don't want that type of person carrying around your secret because it won't be one. People will find out that aren't trying to help you. They're actually just going to look down on you. Some of you have had that experience. Can I apologize to you on behalf of that person? Will you accept an apology from the church as a whole? This is big stuff, right? This is heavy stuff for us to think about. We have no choice but to find someone that we can confess to. You're not allowed to sit here this morning and say, well, it looks like I don't know anybody that meets these standards. I guess I'll just go it alone. The simple truth, in order to break the power of sin, we have to choose to confess, to embrace it to God and to someone else. Do you see this? Think of the the negative side of holding your sin and the negatives of the consequences, the negatives of someone might say something. They're not even close in the way they affect us. There's so much freedom in letting go of the things that only you know. We think we have so much to lose, so we hide. But what we lose by hiding, these are the things that Pastor Ross was talking about during communion, is freedom, life, a free conscience, people. Think about that. Not going to bed at night going, oh, man, I've told so many lies. And now I live them. Some people live so many lies they can't even tell the truth anymore. They don't know what's true. Did you know there's actually a thing that happens in your brain when you tell a story about yourself? You start to really believe that it happened. It, happens to, it happened to me. I'd just gotten saved and I... I started to embellish the truth about how my life was before. And if you know anything about it, it's pretty bad. But I used to tell bigger stories about being in juvenile detention and all this stuff, and I never was. <laughs> it seems crazy to you, but I also moved out of my house at 14, and there's a long story there. But I, I was wrestling with insecurity. I, I didn't feel like my story maybe would measure up to how d- deep and dark it should be. Sounds crazy. A lot of people in this room going through the same stuff. It's a battle over our hearts. Did you know Jesus wants to occupy it, right? Behold, I stand at every heart's door and knock. Did you know the devil would want to occupy it too if he could? He comes to what? Still, kill, and destroy doesn't come to occupy your heart. He knows he can't do that. For some people, he can. He can overwhelm them with this deep, dark spirituality, and they start to live for him. But the majority of us in this room, we're never going to give him full control. You know what we do give him? We give him the right to say, you don't have to tell anybody. Nobody needs to know. It's not their information. It's yours. We believe a lie. So I'm going to close, and I want you to close your eyes.
I want you to self-evaluate. I know you have been the whole morning. You've been thinking about the funny stuff that you've never told anybody. You've been thinking about the dark stuff that you've never told anybody. And I want you to ask God right now. I want you to ask him in your own way. I want you to ask him to give you the strength to confess it to him and to find somebody else to confess those sins to, those secrets to. Go on, take a moment. Ask him. God, give me the strength to live in the light. To move out of darkness, to move out of harm's way. Listen, many of us, as you got your eyes closed, you're going to convince yourself before you even get to the parking lot that nobody can know. Ask God for strength to fight against that temptation. And now with nobody looking around and every eye closed, I want to ask a question to this congregation. If you're here today and your biggest secret is that you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, will you do me a favor? Will you raise your hand really high and look at me? I see that hand. Come on. Behold, I stand at every heart's door. I see those hands. I see that hand. Today's the day of salvation for you. Your secret's out. You need Jesus. Okay, now, I want to speak to the people that asked for strength to let go of hidden secrets, and I want you to raise your hand. If you've got hidden secrets and you plan to tell somebody, I want you to raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand all over. You're going to find that person. Maybe that person's already come into your mind, already into your heart. I see your hands all over. Come on, there's, there's plenty of you out there, and you know you're going to hit the parking lot and keep it, keep it down. Raise your hand. Make that a step of faith. I see those hands all over. Okay, now, one chapel, everyone together, I want us to pray this prayer. So say this after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess that I need you. Come into my heart today. I repent and believe. I repent and believe. Lord, I know you died on the cross for my sins, my secrets. I want to live in the light. I want to live in the light to turn from darkness and surrender to you. In Jesus' name.